Welcome back to Intertwined Minds, a podcast where we share all of our grievances about Subway and their skimpy, skimpy topping habits. Uh, when you try to run a decathlon naked, you gotta do it right. You hire a professional face painter to paint your taint just with absurd, absurd, terrifying things, so that way, when you run by the people that pass you water, you can really get a good startle out of them. We're your hosts, Skip. And I'm Captain, and I chose to have mine painted as Bill Cosby. Nothing offsets a crowd more. <laughs> that would terrify you, especially if you're a woman. Uh, boy, that took a twist I didn't expect it to take. By the way, Subway, fuck you. They, boy, they skimp out on those toppings. And have you, do you know Gus Johnson is? No. He's a YouTuber, oh. and he uh, he has been fighting uh, fighting the good war against Subway and all their jalapeno stem bullshit. So if you want to check those videos out, YouTube, Gus Johnson. Check it out. Funny man. Yeah, will do. Uh, yeah, no. See, my way around that when I go to Subway, you gotta get flatbread. That way you load up on all the fucking toppings you want. And when they're like, oh, is that enough? You No, just be persistent. No, no, no. More. <laughs> More, 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 more. That's good. Because <laughs> you know exactly what they're thinking in their minds when they're doing this. Fatty! <laughs> it wasn't you that was with me. I think it was one of our other friends that we went to high school with. We went to Subway, and he was getting a sandwich, and the woman in front of him emptied out, like, four topping buckets. She just kept asking for more, and the guy that I was with was looking like, I'm not going to get anything. <laughs> <laughs> she she had like one sub and she cleared out four topping bins. Yes, Marjorie, can I get these and the toppings on the side? Can you just put them in the bag? She, basically, she might as well just said, pick up the bucket and dump it on my bread, please. <laughs> like the dude was having a trouble getting the sandwich closed and cutting it. They don't have the knife technology to cut the sandwich that she made. Anyway. <laughs> I need a bandsaw for that. If you're listening to this lady, cool it. <laughs> I'm going to get diabetes. This topping is not a buffet. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, today's episode, I've st I'm still fixed on Mr. Ballin. I can't get off uh, watching. I told Boy. you that was going to be a fucking rabbit hole. Hold on. I told you. I just may have taken it too far. I can't get off. That's that's a me problem. I can't stop watching his content. I I fell down the hole and I can't stop watching it. So this week, seeing as actually that you guys have been killing the Unsolved Mysteries episode. You guys have been really enjoying that one. So, this week, Unsolved Missing Persons. We have done this before, but we just did Canada, and we did, like, a few short stories. This time, we're going to focus on a couple. We've got some, you know, pretty good details on it, and we it's not just in Canada anymore. It's just weird, crazy, missing people cases that just... They baffle me. I like to read these things and see if I can figure it out sometimes, just for funsies. These are difficult. Mine, not so much difficult. One of them kind of doesn't make sense, but the other one, yeah, you can kind of figure out who done it. The way that I'm going to go is I kind of want to read you the story and then ask you what you think. Okay. The way I'm going to roll. I don't know. You don't have to roll that way. No, because I didn't write them that way, so you know what? <laughs> Fuck me, I guess. Well, I didn't know if I really wrote them that way either, but I'm going to give you a lot of facts, and then we'll uh, we'll see what happens. All right. You know what? I've, I've always been good at doing this shit and picking out who the culprit is. Yeah, except you never actually know if it's them, and you're just kind of guessing. 
what was the one that you told me the other day? You were like, you right off the bat, you're like, da, 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 da. I was like, boom, brother. You're like, you didn't even let me finish. You were watching a fucking documentary. Yeah, that was actually a true case. That was a very weird one, too. That wasn't a missing persons. That was a murder. And uh, he was convicted for that, but he still maintains innocence. Boom. Fucking called it right away. Yeah. You didn't even finish half the story of the plot twist. So yeah, I was like, well, yeah, that's weird. That's because, I mean, when you listen to the story, like, just when someone telling you it, it was pretty cut and clear. I gotta say, like, I, I can't believe they had a hard time figuring it out. I was like, this but, greasy bastard. Yeah, but before you even told me the story, you're like... And he called the police. I was like, oh, he did it. <laughs> he fucking did it. Uh, so anyway, I'm going to let the captain kick this one off, and we are just going <clears> to <throat> jump right into it. So uh, take it away, captain. Oh, why? Well, uh, thank you. So uh, this way I have to follow your stories. Up. That... <laughs> yeah, this way, this way I do, it doesn't seem like I come up shorthanded, at least for the first one. <laughs> um, so the first one I wrote about was uh, Leah Roberts. Uh, she was born in 1976 and raised in the suburbs of Durham, North Carolina. Uh, she loved spending time with her family, especially her older brother, Heath, and her older sister, Kara. She had a typical childhood, but uh, things took a turn for her in around 1995 for the worst. Right after we were born. Yeah, right after we By were born. By the way, Heath, tight name. That, that is a tight name. Yeah. Um... So when she was 17 years old, her dad was diagnosed with a chronic lung illness. Uh, then when she was a uh, sophomore in North Carolina State University, she was studying uh, Spanish and anthropology. Her mom suddenly died from a heart disease. So after taking some time to mourn, obviously, like, you know, she... So her dad's got the lung thing going on. Yeah. And then her mom dies of heart disease. Yeah. Boy, sucks. So she took some time to mourn uh, the passing of her mom, and uh, in the fall of September of 98, she decided to return to school, but shortly after, uh, got into a horrific car accident, a truck pulled in front of her, she had to have surgery and everything on her legs to fix them, and uh, so she finally, uh, after surviving her near-death experience, she found a new appreciation for life, but unfortunately, six months later... Her father ended up dying. Oh, for fuck's sake. She is having a rough go. She, she had a rough go. And uh, even though she was only like a semester away from graduating, she decided to leave school and live life to the fullest, which is what she wanted to do. Fair. So she was 23 at the time, and she decided to move <clears> in <throat> with her friend, Nicole. She uh, picked up some new hobbies, including guitar, photography, and she even adopted a little kitten named Bella. <gasps> I feel like I'm gonna be really sad when she goes missing now because she's she's had a fucking rough go and now she's getting it together. But on the morning of oh. March 9th, two thousand, Leah chatted on the phone with her sister to make plans to meet up, like in the near future. And a few hours later, she made plans with Nicole, like her roommate, to babysit the next day. Later that day, Nicole headed out and uh, she noticed that both. Her and Leah's vehicle, because they shared a, uh, they shared a vehicle. It was a white 1993 Jeep Cherokee. Um, it was missing, so she didn't think anything of it. She so, was like... So the roommate goes out. So... The next morning after they had made plans to babysit, the roommate goes out, and the car's gone. Yeah, so okay. she assumed Leah took the vehicle. She's like, you know, that makes sense. She's constantly coming and going, like, you know, she, she lives a... She, she does a lot of stuff. She does a lot of stuff now, and... Because she doesn't have anything holding her back. And if you share a vehicle, it's not that crazy that somebody would take it. Right? Okay. Anyway, 
So the next day when she failed to show up for her babysitting job with Nicole, um, she was obviously worried about her and finally then on the 13th of March, her family reached, uh, Nicole reached out to her family and, um, her sister and them, but unfortunately she, they didn't hear from her either and she was never heard from again. She went missing on the 9th and they didn't file the missing person until the 13th? No, because her roommate didn't think anything of it. Like, she looked around, like, she tried to get a hold of her and everything. Yeah, but the next day, she didn't show up to the babysitting job, and she was worried. Don't you think you would have filed it way before this point? Listen, I... four days later. I I understand. That's a crucial time. That's... Yeah, if someone goes missing. Now, I understand that, yes, you can't jump the gun and assume she's missing. Right. But fuck. Like, give it two days, and she doesn't give you a fucking call. Like, yeah, something's off. Jeez. But, uh... Her roommate shit the bed on that one. Yeah, she was never heard from again after that. Uh, credit card statements show that she withdrew several thousand dollars and paid for a motel close to Memphis. Um, later on, the Jeep was actually found by two joggers at the bottom of a ravine. Oh, fuck. The, the vehicle was, uh, crashed. Like, it looked, it looked pretty bad and crashed. And, um, authorities found... Like, uh, Leah's passport, her checkbook, credit card, debit card, driver's license, clothing, her guitar, and, like, 2500 in cash. Uh, there was also cat food and everything in the, in the car as well. She took her cat with her. But the thing that made it seem really weird was that under the floor mat was Leah's mother's engagement ring, something that her sister and them said that she would never leave behind. So authorities looked at the scene and determined the vehicle left the road at about 40 miles per hour, and uh, had flipped multiple times, but evidence shows that it is likely no one was in the vehicle when it... I was going to say there'd be bad. Yeah, evidence showed that it looked like no one was in the vehicle when it crashed, but it does look like someone used the vehicle for shelter afterwards. But with relentless search from her family and them, they have only had a couple leads regarding to her whereabouts. But all has pretty much come up shorthanded. Son of a bitch. So, it looks like either someone did something to her and then ditched the vehicle to destroy evidence. Yeah. Or she wanted to disappear and... Thought that was the easiest way. But at the same time, why wouldn't you take the cash? Yeah, the cash is a weird thing to leave. I was going to say, like, the ring and stuff, if you wanted people to believe that you were really gone, then you could leave it. Yeah. But the cash you would take. So... Yeah, so, but... She's never been heard from since. Huh. Son of a bitch. And to this day, no one knows what's happened to her. Goddamn, hey? Yeah. What, did anybody find the kitty? No, the kitty... Whore! (laughs) That cat could be fine. Who knows? She might have ran away and started a new life. You don't know. I'd like to believe that. I really would like to believe that. I'd like to as well. Boy. I don't know. Shit, that's that's an interesting one. I, I don't even have any... Like, my, the theories I shared are my theories. That's it. Like, they're... But that's the thing. Nothing really <clears throat> makes sense about that one, because if she was abducted, why not take all the stuff that you... Like, you know, all the valuable stuff that you could get? Maybe they were just after her. Maybe they, they didn't give a fuck, or maybe they wanted to look like she disappeared and ran away. But if she disappeared and ran away, why wouldn't she take the money? That would help her. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That would be... That's a weird one. And if she withdrew the money... Yeah. Then if you were going to say that somebody forced her to withdraw the money, then they would take it. They would take it. So, That's the thing. But for her to... Maybe she had a mental break. I don't know. 
God, I don't know. That's crazy. That's a weird one. There's like there, there's, pieces of theories that just don't fit with the other pieces. Exactly, and that's that's one of the ones I found really is it, sad, but it's really interesting. When was that in two thousand or two thousand one? That was in two thousand. That she disappeared. Yeah, that she just twenty one years, yeah. and no one's heard anything. No, no crazy. The case is still open. <laughs> crazy, crazy. Okay, well, I guess there's nothing for me to do but jump into this next one. So this one I actually have quite a bit of information on. It's it's. To me, like, if I were to have to make an educated guess, I would have a guess as to who did it, but not to why or where, what they did after. So anyway, let me get into this one. So the first one I'm going to get into is uh, the case of Lauren Spearer. So Lauren Spearer was born on January 17th, 1991, and grew up in Scarsdale, New York. She graduated high school in 2009 and enrolled at Indiana University, where she met many friends and her boyfriend, Jesse Wolf. Uh, Lauren disappeared on June 3rd of 2011. On the night she disappeared, she was out drinking with several of her friends, uh, but her boyfriend didn't end up going out with her that night. And, he didn't. Uh, well, <laughs> well. He, he didn't end up going out with her that night, and re he, re he reported that he was texting back and forth with Lauren that night before he went to bed eventually, and that was the last, you know, communication that he had had with her. Yeah. So, according to witnesses, Lauren was extremely intoxicated that night. Um, like, so much so that she couldn't barely stand very well, let alone, you know, run away. So, but, I mean... Who knows? Who knows, because she did manage to do some stuff, so... The police used a combination of video surveillance and witness statements to create a timeline of the where of her whereabouts before her disappearance. So I'm going to get into a timeline. Okay. So Friday, June 3rd, 2011. 12.30 a.m. Witnesses report that Lauren left her apartment with a friend, David Roan. The pair went to Jay Rosenbaum's apartment and she met up with Corey Rossman. Uh, he was Jay's neighbor. Okay. Now, is Jay her boyfriend? No, Jesse was her boyfriend. Yeah. So these are just the friends that she's going out with. So she was, he was pissed that she was going out with them. Well, let me just keep going. 1.46 a.m., uh, she was seen entering Kilroy's sports bar. 2.27 a.m., she was seen leaving the bar with Rossman. Lauren left her shoes and cell phone at the bar because I guess she was inebriated and just forgot them, or that's what people are saying anyway. And Rossman walked with her to her apartment. 2.30 a.m. She is seen entering her apartment complex, and a passerby actually noticed how intoxicated she was and, and even asked her if she was okay or she needed help. 2.48 a.m. She leaves her complex and entered an alley that ran between College Avenue and Marlin Street. Security cameras show her exiting the alley at about 2.51 uh, a.m., and her keys and purse were actually found in that alley. Lauren and Rossman went to his apartment shortly afterward. Rossman himself was actually also very intoxicated, so his roommate put him to bed and then tried to persuade Lauren to stay the night because uh, he, he thought it'd be safer for her to stay instead of going and walking home. But she was insistent that she wasn't going to stay and that she was going to go back to her own apartment. 3.30 a.m. Rossman's roommate Michael said he called uh, Rosenbaum's apartment and tried to get him to take care of Lauren. And she eventually went to Rosenbaum's apartment where he witnessed a bruise under her eye. 
Presumably she had fallen or something had happened, but he wasn't sure. He just noticed the bruise. Yeah. Um, she told him that she didn't know how she had got the bruise, and then she proceeded to make two phone calls from Rosenbaum's phone shortly before she left. It was uh, said that both both phone calls were made by Lauren, and she made uh, calls to Roan and then one to another friend, and neither of them picked up the phone, and no messages were left. So, technically, this guy said she made the phone calls, but we, we can't confirm that it was her that actually made the phone calls because no one picked up and she didn't leave a message. Yeah. So, 4.30 a.m., Rosenbaum reported that Lauren left the apartment, and this was the last sighting of Lauren. He said he had last seen her at the intersection of 11th Street and College Avenue, headed south. She was barefoot, wearing black leggings and a white shirt. Uh, in August of 2011, police conducted a nine-day search of the Sycamore Ridge landfill in Pimento for clues regarding her disappearance, because this landfill uh, was actually uh, the it was the trash from where she had disappeared, because it used to uh, make us like do that area, make a stop, and then bring it to this big landfill. So they thought if anybody had thrown anything away then it would end up in this landfill. So they did a nine-day search trying to find any clues because they had nothing. Yeah. The only thing they had was the last time they saw her was the guy watched her walk away, and that was it. Yeah. So uh, the Bloomington police, the Indiana, Indiana University PD, and the FBI took part in this search where nothing, nothing was found. They couldn't find anything at the landfill. As of May, two, May 24th, 2013, police had received... 3,060 tips on Lauren's disappearance. Uh, in April of 2015, police announced that they were investigating a possible link between Lauren's case and the murder of another Indiana University student, Hannah Wilson. Wilson had went missing on April 24th of 2015 after visiting the same bar that Lauren did before she went missing. Wilson's body, though, she, she was actually found the very next morning in Brown County. A local man named Daniel Nessel Daniel Messel was arrested for Hannah's murder after his cell phone was found, like, right near the body of Hannah Wilson. So they thought, it's another student around the same age from the same university who had visited the same bar, so they thought there could be a connection here, and he just got away with the first one. Yeah. But in July of 2015, it was concluded that the two cases were unrelated, and any similarities were just coincidence. On January 28th of 2016, the FBI and other police agencies investigated a property in the 2900 block of Old Morgantown Road in Martinsville, 20 miles north of where Lauren went missing. According to a statement released by the FBI, they were investigating leads regarding to Lauren's disappearance. The, pop the property was connected to a man named Justin Wagers. Uh, Wagers was suspected of exposing himself to multiple local women. Investigators searched the property with uh, cadaver dogs, which indicated potential evidence. They did a full dig and excavated the sites of the cadaver dog hits, but at, eventually turned up nothing. But to me, and there was actually a vehicle towed away off his property, why would the FBI suddenly decide that they're going to check out a property 20 miles away from where she went missing? They did, it wasn't on a whim. No. And it, it couldn't have been just because this guy was exposing himself to women. There's no way they bring in cadaver dogs and get a warrant to search this property on just that, but they never released why they thought it could have been him. There had to be more to it. Yeah, there's something there. But anyway, nothing was ever turned up there. And there's actually uh, quite a few theories about what happened to Lauren. So before I get into the theories, what would you say is your best guess? <clears throat> I'd say jealous boyfriend. 
for the simple fact, she went out with other guys, got inebriated, stayed, tried to stay the night at their places, whatnot. Things didn't work out how it went. I think eventually she went back to his place. They got an argument, maybe some foul play, and he ended up covering it up. That is that's a pretty decent theory, I guess. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if they had ever established. I think his alibi was that he was home sleeping. So, I mean, was there any witnesses? Yeah, I'm not positive on that one. So I'll give you the theories, and then you tell me which one you think is the best theory. Okay. So the first theory, I had I had concluded something from this that just seemed a bit sketch to me at this point, that and then it was kind of confirmed afterwards. But anyway, so the first theory is an accidental overdose, actually. Um, so Lauren's friends and her boyfriend told police, in addition to drinking alcohol that night, she was using drugs. Um, Wolf's mother, her boyfriend's mother... How would her boyfriend know, though, if he wasn't there? Apparently, that uh, like a few months before this, she had, uh, had a problem with drugs, and, um, apparently there had been signs that she was using drugs. Okay. So, um... And uh, after this claim about the accidental overdose, they did search her apartment. And they found a very, very small amount of cocaine. So anyway, so her boyfriend's, Lauren's boyfriend's mother, she actually came out on record and stated that um, she believes that Lauren is not with them anymore because of the drug problem. She pretty much blamed it on her entirely. And... Uh, told everybody that i mean the family heard that 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 she believes that their daughter was a drug addict and she wasn't good for their son so it sounds like the mother is trying to cover up something for her son it could be it could be so rosenbaum one of the guys that she was out with that night told investigators that that night she had snorted cocaine and a crushed up klonopin pills that's what he said that's based i can't we can't confirm or deny that because yeah. no one ever found her to check her blood yeah. So we can't confirm or not that that's what he said. And police actually addressed the rumors uh, that Lauren had overdosed that night. And uh, people that she was with, they addressed that if she had overdosed, like it's the possibility of it, there's rumors floating around that she had overdosed and her friends uh, not wanting to get charged or, or uh, avoid suspicion hid her body. She overdosed and the people she was with hid her body. That's That's what... The rumors were flying around. So it's a, it's a possible theory. That's a possible one. Uh, the next theory is stranger abduction. Obviously, that's a key theory in any missing person. Especially if she's walking down the street without any shoes. Inebriated, in. barefoot, and a female. You know, I yeah. mean, that's a concoction for somebody to come take you. But yeah. police haven't uh, ruled that out because, I mean, you can't rule it out. But Lauren's parents don't believe that this was a random attack. Uh, they they have their reasons for it, which I'll get into. So the next theory is the friends that she was with that night. Uh, this is her parents have never came out and actually accused anybody, but they strongly believe that this is a high possibility. So her parents believe that it could have been one or all of the people she was hanging out with that night, and actually including her boyfriend. Uh, they think that they could have all been in on it together. Uh, they all the people that she was with that night actually refused a polygraph and retained lawyers uh, soon after Lauren's disappearance. They believe that uh, they could have spiked her drink at the bar and that's how she ended up getting so inebriated because she wasn't there that long. Yeah. But I mean, if you go with the theory that she had done cocaine and clonopin, I mean, but cocaine kind of usually fires you up and doesn't yeah doesn't yeah. knock okay. you out, right? I mean, she she was 
visibly, visibly inebriated in all the surveillance videos. So they believe that they could have slipped her something in her drink at the bar. And like I said, they refused polygraphs and they retained lawyers like almost immediately after uh, she went missing. But the men that she was with that night said that they took a privately administered polygraph and actually they also took one that was from the FBI, but no one is positive. I mean, no one was ever... No, the FBI never released a statement that, that they had given them one. Either way, no one knows what happened to Lauren Spear that night, and we actually might never know because to this day she still hasn't been found, And uh, but we hope at some point if anyone is withholding information, which the parents believe they are, they come forward and Lauren's family can get some closure because it's that's that can't be fucking easy, a good situation yeah. or easy, man. That's, that's fucking rough. So if anybody's out there that knows any information, I just hope they come forward at some point because that's not... It's, it's not right. No. But... My theory, if I had to go with one of them, I think I would pin it on the friends. I don't want to come and accuse anybody, but it just seems a little shady. Like, oh yeah, she was here, she was here. Like, we all seen her. If they cared about her and everything like that, why would they retain lawyers, like, immediately? Well, I mean, it doesn't... I, I could see that, like, if you didn't want anything to fall on you, then then you might get scared. Like, a certain certain type of person might get scared and But if think, you have nothing to worry about... Yeah, you have nothing to hide. But, I mean, if you if I go with my theory and I say... How likely is it that after she left the bar and was inebriated, every one of them said they saw her? Every one of those dudes said they saw her. And then they, they go to this, she goes to this apartment and makes two phone calls that can't be confirmed. And they were the last ones to see her, and they were the ones walking her home, and she was, I don't, I, but if you go with that, then yes, it looks suspicious, and you may want to get a lawyer just in case. I don't know. Yeah. But it seems a little fishy to me. And it seems a little fishy to me. Let me go back to my notes here. So if I'm going back to my timeline, 1.46 a.m. she was seen entering Kilroy's sports bar, and then 2.27. That's not even an hour. Yeah. And she comes out absolutely, like, insanely inebriated. You'd have to be pounding drinks back pretty hard to get that drunk that fast. Especially if you were doing cocaine. Yeah, that's like, what that, I'm thinking. That doesn't make any sense. That's what I'm thinking. Like, cocaine does not make you like that. It make, it, it hypes you up. It makes you hyper. And, and, and yes, you have a crash at some point, but it's not immediate. No. Now, I don't know what snorting clonopin does to you because I've never done it. But, I mean, you know, it just seems... Something seems off to me with that group. And if... And if... Who... Who is asked to take... They said that... The, they didn't really trust the police department because they were, you know, not working on it as hard or they were giving them, like, they were putting suspicion on them. So they said, oh, we don't trust them. That's why we're, that's why we're denying polygraphs from them. But if I didn't do it and my friend was fucking missing and murdered, I, or, sorry, we don't know if she's murdered, but missing, uh, I would want to get that over with as soon as possible so that way they could stop looking at me and move on to other suspects so we could possibly find who did this. Right? Then that, that would make sense. That's what I would do. And if I had nothing to hide, then I wouldn't get a lawyer. Now, unless they're telling me that I did it and I didn't, then I might get a lawyer. But if they had suspicions, and I would do everything in my power to prove to them that I did not do and this. And work with the police. Yeah. Yeah. But that's my theory. So, but anyway, we, we here at Intertwined Minds, we really hope that at some point the family gets closure. And it's, uh, it's a fucking bad situation, but it's, it's it really a crazy is. story. It's unfortunate. Um, so the next uh, person I want to talk about is actually Amanda Jones. So on August 14th, 2005, 
a 26 year old who was pregnant oh. eight and a half months oh. had suddenly Fuck. disappeared uh, from Festus? I was going to say it looks like Festus. Festus, Missouri? Yeah. So, after attending uh, church, Amanda met with Brian Westville, uh, the alleged father of her unborn child, at the uh, Hillsboro Civic Center at 1 p.m. at around uh, at around 15 minutes into their meeting, Amanda took a call on her cell phone from her former sister-in-law. So this would be the last time anyone ever heard from her again. Later that night. Her family became concerned when she did not answer her calls. Her car was found unlocked and abandoned in the parking lot where her meeting had taken place. Jesus. So, um, when the vehicle was searched, none of her possessions were left in the vehicle. Despite the FBI investigation and countless leads, she has not been spotted since. Uh, some think she walked away to start a new life, but her family doesn't think so. Uh, she also had a four-year-old girl from her previous relationship. Like that she, she that she, she left behind. Yeah, she was married at one point that she loved very much, and uh, they don't think that she would just up and leave her. Yeah, that kind of kills the theory for me. Yeah, right. So uh, some some pointed to her ex-husband Scott uh, Scott Tones as a as a plot to get custody of their daughter, but he was actually very cooperative with the police, and uh, he was ruled out as a suspect. But a lot of people pointed to the alleged father of her unborn child, which was Brian Westfield. There's a reason they're pointing to him. Yeah, like, and this is where it all sounds like... It sounds like a pretty open and shut case. You it, just had to find evidence. Yeah, and, and that's what I mean. Like, it, it seems pretty open and shut. So, um, where he was the last one to see her, and the fact that uh, he was far from excited about having a baby with her... Uh, her family says he offered to pay for an abortion many times. He also had a long time, a uh, long-term girlfriend at the time that he and Amanda got together. Uh, at their meeting where she was last seen, she was going there to discuss his role in the baby's life as well as what to expect financially in help raising the baby. Uh, he said that the conversation went went well. Then she went to her car and talked on her phone while he went back to uh, while he went back and did some volunteer work at the center. But uh, phone records show that she did not make or answer any calls at this point, besides the one that she took with her former sister-in-law. So she didn't make any calls or anything or go back to that vehicle. It's not looking good for bribery. No. Um, he says that she sat in her car for about three hours, but that is highly on like in the parking lot. She just sat in her car for about three hours. That was the last he seen her as a pregnant woman. As a pregnant At woman, eight and a half months. Eight and a half months in August, and here's the kicker: like he said, like she just sat in the car, no windows down or nothing. Was she doing piss in her pants? But the AC in her vehicle didn't work. It's August. It's hot. And this is in Missouri. There's no fucking way that she was in that vehicle for three and a half hours in a parking lot with the windows up and just sitting in her car. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's highly unlikely. Yeah. He ended up hiring a lawyer right away and Checks is out. since unwilling to help with the investigation. Of course. Jesus. But as as it looks and how most everyone suspects, a lot of it points to him. How the fuck 
did he manage to get her out of that parking lot with no one seeing anything? And the I don't know. I this and this is one of the things like she has never been heard from since. But he was the last person to. Talk she to her. meets with him in a parking lot after church to yep. discuss the baby that he did not want to have and want to pay, offered for abortions countless times. Yep. And the conversation goes well. Yeah. And, and then like, and then she sits in her car for three and a half hours as an eight and a half month pregnant woman. That's something's off. But like, yeah, but I I can see why they suspected her four year old like her ex husband. Sure. At first, like, but who wouldn't? But like, well, you you cover all your bases. Yeah, but he like like I said, he was actually very cooperative with the police and that, and went out of his way to help. That doesn't mean and, he didn't do it. No, it doesn't mean he didn't do it. But like, even going back looking at the. Uh, paper like for the custody like they were saying like it could have been over custody of their daughter but there was never any struggle about that or anything like that so it wouldn't make sense for him to be like just plot this from day one yeah i was gonna say to just go from not having any legal battles no custody no nothing no problem just shared custody and then decide one day that he's just gonna kill her to get custody although he he did end up with custody of their four-year-old well i mean that makes sense it, it does make sense but like it not as they're concerned, he he's not a person of interest. Well, there's a pretty big person of interest. I don't know how. There, there is. and They just un- couldn't find evidence, they, I guess. They couldn't find evidence. And unfortunately... There was no cameras in the church? Or? I No, it wasn't at the church. It was at the Civic Center. Oh, she oh she drove to a different parking she lot. She drove to a different parking lot. And, and there's civic... no... Okay, then there should be more likely than there's cameras there then. There should be, but I guess not where he was. Son of a bitch. But God, I hate when that happens. I, I personally don't think she made it to her vehicle. Yeah, I don't think this conversation went well. No, I... My theory is... He's got a long-term girlfriend. he got a long-term... That's guaranteed pissed about the whole baby thing. Yeah. With a different woman. He doesn't want this baby. He stated many times he'd pay for an abortion. Yeah, and she she didn't want an abortion. She, she wanted to have this baby. She was excited for the baby. Jesus. I'm thinking... In the parking lot, he... Took her, threw her in the back of his pickup or car, whatever he had. Grabbed all her shit. Grabbed all her shit out of her vehicle and waited for her to get off shift. Hmm. And then went and... Disposed of her somewhere. That, that's my theory. But that can... Yeah, I don't think she went and started a new life. No, but that can't be confirmed. Can't be proven, yes. It's it's unfortunate that that's the only... I mean, it's, it's a good thing that that's the only way it works, that you have to be proven guilty. But, I mean, sometimes it just fucking fails because it's pretty... To me, that's cut and clear. Yeah. I don't want to say that because I don't want to, you know, implicate this man if he's innocent, but it just does not sound like you're innocent, pal. Yeah. But uh, the family has their suspicions and most of them point towards him. <laughs> but All right, so the last person that I want to get into, uh, his name is Brandon Lawson. So on August 8th of 2013, Brandon Lawson of San Angelo, Texas, disappeared after leaving his home earlier that night. So, uh, between approximately 10.45 and 11 p.m., Brandon arrived at his home where he lived with his girlfriend of 10 years. And they got into an argument uh, because Brandon had not came home the night before, and his girlfriend believed that um, during that time, Brandon was on drugs. So, Brandon was actually... He had a ongoing issues with drug abuse, but he had actually been clean and sober for about six months at the time of his disappearance. Uh, Brandon's brother, Kyle, later claimed that Brandon had taken methamphetamines shortly before his disappearance. So, 
they figure he fell off the wagon and he had actually taken drugs that night. So about 11.30 p.m., Brandon called his father, who lived in Crowley, Texas, about a three-hour drive from San Angelo, and told him that he was on his way to his house because him and his girlfriend had had a fight and he was going to leave and stay with him. Um, so at 11.54, Brandon left his house driving his silver F-150. At around 12.30 a.m. on August 9th, Brandon called his brother and told him that he had ran out of gas and pulled over on Route 277. Um, Kyle said that during that phone call, Brandon, Brandon had told him that there were people chasing him out of town, and he, he said, um, quote-unquote, it, it's the Mexicans from the neighborhood. Um, and Kyle asked if he was hallucinating because he had he had knowledge that he was on methamphetamines. Yeah. And he's and Brandon denied it completely and um that was I mean Kyle kind of had to take his word for it at that point. He knew that he was kind of messed up and he had problems and stuff, but he had to kind of take his word. Kyle, his wife and his 4-year-old daughter drove to Brandon's house to get a gas can and he said that he had continued to receive calls from Brandon but Brandon wouldn't hold a conversation with him and the calls would end after a few sentences. So at a at uh, around 12:50, Brandon actually called 911 and told the responder that he had run out of gas and needed the police. During this phone call, Brandon made several confused and incoherent statements like, "Yes, I'm in the middle of um I'm in the middle of a field, uh pulled some guys over." Uh, right here coming towards Abilene in on both sides and I ran out of gas and there's a car here This guy's chasing me into the woods. Please hurry So what he was saying was that people were following him and then there was a car and he had been chased in the woods, but again People are you know his brother is assuming that this is some kind of hallucination drug induced State of mind that he's in yeah so Several minutes later, a trucker called 911 to report Brandon's truck was actually parked in a hazardous manner on the road. So between 12.50 and 1.15 a.m., Brandon made and received several calls uh, with and from his brother, girlfriend, neighbor, and a 911 dispatcher. Though his poor cell phone service caused some of those calls to get, go to voicemail and get dropped. And then after uh, 1.19 a.m., all the calls that were made to Brandon went to voicemail directly. So at 1.18 a.m., Kyle called Brandon, who sounded out of breath and claimed he was bleeding. Shortly after 1 a.m., a deputy arrived at Brandon's... So we're going back a bit in the timeline. So after 1.19, no calls were made to him, but I'm giving you timelines of what's happened before this. Yeah. So uh, around 1 a.m., uh, a deputy sheriff arrived at Brandon's truck, uh, but he wasn't there. And then Kyle arrived at the truck at 1.10 and um, at the time that he arrived to the truck, he was actually on the phone with Brandon. And Brandon claimed, I can see you. I'm right here. So Brandon was saying that he could see Kyle. But Kyle was looking around. And, and, and he was asking him, like, where? I can't see you. And he could not see him. But actually, he could just be saying this, right? But it was afterwards, Kyle, like after the initial event he had been recalling now this is a, i'm jumping ahead a little bit but after the initial event he was recalling that when he was on the phone with brandon brandon said he could see him brandon said 5-0 run so brandon knew that there was a cop there so he had to have been able to see him, see him. yeah but no one could see or hear him kyle just heard him on the phone so he said 
5-0 run, and he was mad that his brother wasn't running away from the police because Brandon, as a ongoing drug abuser, and 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 you know you don't want to get too close to cops, so he was kind of angry that his brother wasn't running away from the cops. So Brandon had to have been able to see the road at this point in time. Yeah. How would he know the cops were there if he didn't? You know what I mean? Like the sirens weren't on in the phone call or nothing. The cop was just standing there. So at the time of his disappearance, Brandon had an active arrest warrant. So Kyle thought that he might have been hiding from the deputy and that's why he wasn't coming out. Yeah. So after talking with the deputy for a few minutes, Kyle actually drove up the road like a mile or so and, and figured that if Brandon could see him, he would see that he had went up the road and come out and then they could drive away. He figured that once he was away from the cops, Brandon would come out and then they could, you know, he could help him. Yeah. So he goes up the road and he sits there for 45 minutes, but Brandon never came out. And again, at this point, no one could get a hold of him. It was all voicemail. So Kyle actually went back and he left the gas can in the back of Brandon's truck and he left. He figured that once the deputy had left and once he had left, maybe he would come out, be able to put the gas in the truck and then go. But Kyle would return to that truck at 5 a.m. And he was surprised that Brandon had not returned to the truck. The truck was still there. Um, and the truck actually got towed away at 8, so he, he couldn't come back to the truck at that point. Uh, so a search was actually launched for hours and hours, and they searched around the area that the truck was and ar- around this area where he was known to be, and there was absolutely no signs. No, They could not find anything in these woods that would point to somebody being there. But he had to have been there to be able to see them. Yeah. So some something's wrong. To this day, no one knows what happened to him. And it's an insane disappearance. No one's heard from him. No one's seen him. No one's, there's no sightings. There's no nothing. He got into these woods saying that people were chasing him. And then after that, he basically fell off the face of the earth. When he was making uh, these... 911 phone calls they were all recorded because all 911 dispatch calls are recorded yeah and the 911 dispatcher said that although the cell phone service wasn't the greatest and brandon was kind of like rambling and mumbling she thought that she could hear another person she was pretty sure that she could hear another voice in the background and he sounded terrified and he he was asking for help i mean he you can't hallucinate someone else's voice no. over the phone, you know what I mean? Like, this lady could hear someone, but they could never really confirm it. They couldn't get any distinct voice, and they couldn't piece anything together. Uh, but that's that's about it for this story, and that's the most that people know. But his family has never given up hope on finding him. And uh, all I can say is that I hope at some point they get closure as well. And uh, this is this is a real strange one to me, because... I mean, if you thought that he was on drugs and whatever, and then he ran away in the woods and then died somewhere, right? Somebody would eventually find him. Eventually, yeah. During a search, or even if they don't find him during the search, it happens. At some point, between 2000 and, and what was this, 13? Let me go back. Uh, yeah, 2013. That's eight years later. You're telling me that no one has found him? His remains, or wherever he tends to be? And the fact that, the fact that it was really weird to me is that he said that he could see his brother. So the only reasons that he wouldn't come out is if he was in some crazy drug-addled state. But even still, if you could see your brother, I mean, you 
and you're being chased, unless you were just hiding and trying to stay away from him, I don't know, but yeah, you would think you would come out. You would think. But he had to have seen them because he knew the police were there. Yeah. And how is someone so close to see you, but you're looking around with flashlights and, and trying to see this person and you can't? I don't know. And I probably never will know, but this one's a weird one. I have no theories. Yeah, that's The only a... theories I could have is that he... I don't know how... If it was himself and there was nobody there, I mean, I don't know what animals are in that woods, but I feel like there would have been something to find. Eventually, yeah. Over the course of like eight years. So I have a feeling that he was not alone in those woods and this was no hallucination he was having. No, that's a, uh, that, that's a weird circumstance. Yeah, it's, it's, it was a weird one. Uh, so anyway, guys, I want to give another shout out to Mr. Ballin again this week. I've just we're big fans we're big fans um well we'll probably have something different for you next week just to change it up let us know what you guys want to hear we will uh, we will attempt to do any kind of topic that you guys think you, you uh would be interested in um if you want to keep up with the podcast the best way to do that is over on our instagram it's just intertwined minds we post as much as we can and we like to hear from you guys if you don't have instagram you can still uh, message us you can email us at intertwinedminds minds 94 at gmail.com We answer all of our messages, and uh, we hope to hear from you guys. So until next week, that's it. We're your hosts, Skip. And I'm Captain. Tune in next week when we challenge Martha Stewart to a cake bake-off.